Mike and Viana got to play some games. And I pray to your mama that they're not super lame. And if that all sounds cool, I can tell you the name. It's the R H A P B M B. Mike and Viana got to play some games. And I pray to your mama that they're not super lame. And if that all sounds cool, I can tell you the name. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the RHAP B&B for the premiere of Survivor Edge of Extinction. We have finally reached an hour-long premiere that had a lot crammed into it. Everything on the Advantage menu and the Premiere menu. Let's welcome in everyone to break this down. First, the returnee for this season of the B&B coming up over the side of this Survivor schooner. I don't see a flash of blonde, but she is just as iconic as Kelly Wentworth. Liana Boris, welcome back. How you doing? I'm great. I was expecting you to say she's such a threat. She's done this. Like, let's point out all the wonderful things I do. No, between Reem's antics, Joe's mustache, and the preview that we sort of got to see for the Island of Extinction, this was quite the start to the Survivor season. I mean, wow, what an episode. And with it being our fourth season on the B&B property, we decided, you know what, it's time to invest in some construction projects in some expansion. I've called upon the best Survivor construction minds. Boston Rob's coming in. Sylvia's coming in. Tony's here for some reason, uh, to construct the newest room of the B&B. And we have brought in a prolific guest, a man who needs no introduction, but I'm going to give one anyway, to introduce the official wiggle room of the B&B, Josh Wiggler. How are you? I'm doing well. At first, I was a little confused. I thought that you were like comparing me to a construction worker as you were talking about Boston Rob and Tony Vlacos. And I was thinking, Mike, you've seen my soft hands before. They've never seen a day of hard labor in their life. I don't, you could just be using a really nice like gold bond or moisturizing routine to just maintain that facade of uh, you not working well with your hands. So you do work with it well with yeah. your hands when it comes to typing. I was going to say in other ways, but I did not want to leave too much of an open end there. <laughs> You know, let's kick it off full bloom. Why not? I'm I'm here for it. We'll uh we'll go all the way PG thirteen, if not skirting the R line. That's fine by me. Listen, I mean, we're gonna be talking about uh an R rated castaway. R obviously standing for Reem, basically over the course of this podcast. So I think it's only fitting that we go blunt and a little profane to start off this episode. Oh my god. I uh Mike and Liana, first of all, I'm excited to be here playing some games, but more than anything, I'm so thrilled to finally be able to talk to people about the incredible fall of the great Reem Daily. I'm so thrilled that Survivor Nation now knows what a treasure Reem Daily is, and I have a feeling that we are just at the tip of the iceberg with just how incredibly ridiculous and amazing Reem Daily is going to be. Yeah, because I mean essentially you knew the outcome of this final tri- or this first tribal council and then you just had to sit and wait i can't imagine this type of tribal having to just wait for nine months for it to finally come to light for everyone to see you were basically on your own edge of extinction josh yes. you were just sitting there saying like at some point this coverage is going to be released and i can finally escape this island until then i'll sit in my hollowed out ship and just sort of shiver in the rain metaphorically speaking 
I'm just really bummed because I, I wish that I could have gone out to the edge of extinction on the morning of day four to do an interview with Reem to really close out the first one out series. Uh, but I think the, the sanctity of Survivor takes precedent over uh, a strong ending for my stupid podcast. So unfortunately, uh, there, there was no way to do like a real first one out this season. But man, I was really bummed once I realized that. I was very bummed to see Reem go but I was so stoked that Reem was still going to be at least somewhat active in the game. And for the first time, you know, I I left location with no idea whatsoever about the fate of every contestant because usually at least I leave and like I know that one person's story is over and so I can now start wondering a little bit more about the fates of everybody else. But I've just been like, I don't know. I'm just on Ream Island. I've just been I've just been dreaming of Ream for months and months. Oh, You've been boy. reaming for months and months. Yes. Yeah. Sweet reams are made of these. Yes. I think uh, I think for a lot of people, myself included, it was like, oh man, the island of extinction. This is stupid. They're gonna go live out on the island. And then when it was reams, like, oh thank God. Yeah. <laughs> we get more ream. Oh no, it's it's totally the reality TV thing of like this thing sucks unless it happens to someone who right. I like and then I totally love it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I think so. Too. And and for me, you know, in, um, in in what I get to do, I go out to location. I get to talk to everybody before the game starts. And, um, you know, you click with some people, you click less with others. Uh, and I, I would say just candidly with this cast, it was maybe uh, the, the cast I, I felt connected to the least uh, at the time. Um, but certainly with Reem, Reem was like a real hit within the press community pretty quickly. Uh, I think that Dalton Ross wrote this in his recap on on EW about how she was phenomenal to to talk with like he talked like hockey with her I think or basketball or I don't know some sport that I don't understand at all uh, but when Reem and I were done talking with our interview I like walked her away from the interview setup that I had to go and meet some people on the trail the CBS people who are going to pick her up and make sure she doesn't contact any of the other survivor players so that the sanctity of the pregame is still in place and like we just ended up shooting the shit for like like an extra 10 minutes just about TV. She was like, so what shows do you like? It's like, uh, well, I watch, I cover a lot for, for the job. Like, it's like, okay, what do you cover? It's like, uh, Game of Thrones. She's like, oh, I love Game of Thrones. Cersei Lannister. That she's crazy. Cersei's crazy. And like, she's just like, like just started Ooh. nerding out with me about Game of Thrones. She's like, what other shows should I watch? I like spy stuff. I'm like, do you like the Americans? She's like, I've never watched it. And I just like started recommending shows to her. And we were just chatting for 10 minutes and it was remarkable. And the entire time for the 10 minutes that this was happening, in my mind, I was like, this is incredible for me, but I really wonder how this is going to be out there on the <laughs> island. Uh, and so, of course, like three days later, she's the first one voted off. Uh, and so I'm bummed to see that. But for the first time in that moment, actually excited that the Edge of Extinction exists because it means more Ream Daily. All right. Now, major conspiracy theory. Did Ream target Kelly Wentworth because she reminded her of Daenerys Targaryen? <laughs> oh, mother of dragons. Here we go. Oh my gosh. It's possible. Dracarys. Man, I was going to say, Reem would have had a lot of suggestions of things to watch on the pre-jury trip, but instead, I don't think they get satellite <laughs> TV on on the island of extinction. 
Yeah, I was able to call my wife from oh, my okay. cell phone out there, but uh, but I don't think that they've got uh, I don't think they've got the technology. They, they didn't put a platinum TV inside no. that shipwreck <laughs> thing. I don't know. No. Jeff said that there are going to be rations hidden throughout the island. Why are there not like creature comforts hidden there as well that you have to find? Yeah. He did say mini adventures, little adventures for the people who go to the edge of extinction. So perhaps one of them will be like a trip to the movies. Maybe they'll watch Gulliver's Travels at some point. <laughs> it's the uh, creatures comfort menu. You get to pick which creature. <laughs> Creature comfort you want. Yes. Uh, but, well, let, let's speak about this premiere episode as well, because, Josh, I'm assuming one of the most intriguing parts of Nights Like last night is you get to see how your experience matches up with how things play out within the first few days. And we also sort of view things from an interesting angle uh, because, you know, this was an hour long premiere of a very intriguing season, at least from a from a conceptual perspective. I will say, at first, when I first watched this, I was just sort of like, okay. It had a lot to live up to. You know, I feel like last season's premiere was bananas amazing. And even the premiere before it, uh, say what you want to about Ghost Island, but the rise and fall of Jacob Derwin was a fantastic two-hour block. So it's tough to live up to those. But I actually found in re-watching this episode, there are so many fantastic production touches between the editing, basically everything from Tribal Council onwards to Reams like Blair Witch Project-esque, you know, am I alone here, guys, where are we-esque moment is so well done and so new for Survivor that it really piqued my interest, maybe more so than what happened before it. But I, I will say, rewatching this episode definitely lifted my expectations. Aliana, what did you think about it overall? Oh, yeah, I, I really liked this episode. I think it uh, picked up as we got to sort of unfold this story of Reem. But I think for me, there were also a lot of editing moments that I noticed that just made me love it because it felt like there was such an attention to detail in the storytelling. Like, for example, all of the motherly figure stuff with Reem where, you know, Keith calls Reem. Oh, I feel like you're my mom. She's don't call me a mom. And then everyone <laughs> proceeds to call her a motherly figure. You know, War Dog, Wendy, all of them do that, which was just so funny. And then uh, the other thing that I really, really loved was when uh, War Dog was upset. Obviously, the Reem keeps moving their stuff. Um, but then Wendy's like, well, they're, you know, they're voting her out because of her age. Cut to Reem saying, I'm going to go put these in the sun, which is like such a great moment. Because it's like, no, I really don't think it was about her age. I really think it was about the fact that she kept moving the stuff, which was just so lovely. So I, I think those little moments really made me, you know, love this premiere. I know that there are a lot of people that we didn't get to see and it's only an hour. But still, it, it makes me feel optimistic about the rest of the season. Yeah, I think I, 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 you really do mourn the the lack of time in this premiere. Like the fact that it's just mm -hmm. one hour, I I, do, I definitely felt that. Um, you know, that's that's not a Survivor decision; that's a CBS decision. So I'm sure that if the if the Survivor powers that be had it their way, every premiere would be at least ninety minutes, if not two hours. Uh, so you can't you can't blame this one on Probst. Uh, you can blame other things on him, but not that. But I think for for what they had to work with i don't know I've, I've watched the episode a couple of times now um there have been a few moments that have have really slayed me but then there's been other stuff that that kind of just feels like survivor going through the motions a little bit yeah like there, it, it's it's just i don't know i, I was i was saying to somebody that it, it kind of feels like somebody had an idea for what a season of survivor should be like uh and they wrote it down on paper as just like a personal diary entry and then they went to sleep and when they woke up in the morning it had been big 
begged into existence. And like, that's kind of what the, what the premiere felt like to me for a little bit. Like you have sort of like this, um, like pitch perfect, like note perfect, stereotypical for returning players, even like, uh, uh, Kelly kind of getting like that Spencer ish from Cambodia type of edit coming in. It just felt almost like, um, I don't know. It, it almost felt like faux survivor to me for the vast majority of it. Uh, and then it gets to the end and Reem gets voted out. And typically what's supposed to happen, she goes away. We don't see her again until the closing credits and probes delivers his wisdom to the tribe. And that's not what happens because of the twist of the season. And Reem goes off. She goes off into the night. She's mad. She goes and she sees the sign and she finds out that she's got this next chance. She gets on the boat. The boat rolls up to the Island of extinction and like the music cuts out and like the sound gets very weird and the editing is suddenly very jarring and it's suddenly it's like the Blair Witch Project uh shout out to Borneo you know like it's just it's a I don't know <laughs> I don't know you know it's it's suddenly very very jarring and suddenly very very different and that is the the greatest hope that I have for this season um this is not I I don't think a, a hot take by any stretch of the imagination is I don't love the idea for the season what I do like is the possibility possibility that we may be in for one of the weirdest seasons of survivor yet like one of the most different feeling seasons of survivor where the story as we've come to know it on survivor is just completely upended uh where the the narrative juice is away from the from the main tribe camps and starts to funnel into this strange island with all of these dead people walking like i think that there may be a really compelling season of television there especially coming off of the heels of the way david versus goliath was told as a story i think survivors in a really strong point for that so i don't love the episode but i love the ending and i feel yeah. like the the weekly experience for this season of survivor may be a little strange and uneven potentially but it has the potential for me like on on the binge like when you know what the full story is this might be a really rich season of the show so i'm optimistic that uh, that's actually really interesting because maybe that's why they had to start with such a cookie cutter premiere, right? I mean, now I'm looking back at my notes. It's like, oh, Joe made fire without Flynn. I'm on Team Joe, and we're gonna see Wendy, Reem, and Keith, the sort of outsiders, be ostracized because you know they have blue hair, or you know they're young or old. Um, and then you know, like you said, the Kelly Wentworth. I want to make real connections, which I actually wrote in my notes. Who is she, Spencer? Yeah. <laughs> um, so so yeah, like th- maybe that cookie cutterness sort of sets up for what a weird season we might be seeing yeah i think that it's an unfortunate consequence of this being the 38th season of a show that you're gonna have some reruns you know there are certain patterns that are gonna follow in especially in the first few days and i do agree when we have you know talking about power couples and everything it's something that ordinarily happens and when you see it a certain amount of times no matter which personalities you're putting in there it's gonna have the same effect and i do feel like i was talking about with uh, shannon gates about this a bit that you know i think these are interesting characters Nobody outside of like the reams of it all really leapt out to me in such a huge Christian Hubicki esque way, the way that he really leapt out in the premiere episode, for instance. I could say maybe the most unique story told in this episode was Wendy's that we'll certainly get to due to the very unique perspective that she has. Uh, but I guess it's sort of like, you know, if you, if you have a, a steak every week on Friday nights and then one time you decide to like throw on, I don't know, like a, a horseradish crumb crown on top. Just that one time, even though it's the exact same thing, that one thing at the end is going to turn into something completely different. And I totally agree with you, Josh, about the cinematography and the way the Edge of Extinction was done. I even think at Tribal Council, the establishing shots were of 
it wasn't, you know, the typical music of everyone just walking in the helicopter shot and then everyone sitting down. There were so many like shots of, you know, various parts of the set, which really establishes just how baller this set is coupled with the individual people's reactions. I don't know if you guys noticed the voting music was extremely different. It was like tribal chanting. It was very, it was very like immersive. Yeah, definitely look out for it next time. Hopefully they keep it because yeah, it was, it was super different. So I'm happy that to your point, that sort of shows how maybe that glint of a different, differing storytelling that they held over from last season is still coming over here to sort of retrofit this absolutely new format. Uh, I, I have no idea where we go from here. I'm glad that we get more Reem, that Reem remains in our <laughs> lives for at least a little while longer. Uh, but th- I would say at least the last 15 minutes of this episode were, I mean, I can't, I can't imagine being in person, Josh, and even just the tribal council itself watching I wouldn't call it a meltdown. I guess I call it a pile on essentially over the course of 10 minutes or so. No, it was a meltdown. It was absolutely a meltdown. I mean, I, I love Reem and I, I hate to, uh, this is something that David said during the tribal council. He, he was like, she at one point calls him out for being this, this wasn't aired, uh, calls him out for, for, you know, why isn't he being looked at as a challenge liability? And David's like, I really don't want to pile on you, Reem. I, I, I feel really bad for you. Uh, but I've only known you for three days, but I'm definitely not in the same category as a challenge liability. And in that same spirit, like, I don't want to pile on Reem because I really like Reem, but it was a meltdown. It was it was an absolute disaster. It was like nearly two hours long, and the lion's share of that was Reem really coming back to over and over again, like, I'm sorry if I annoyed you about the clothes thing, but I'm really not that sorry about it. And it was just like circling the drain of that over and over and over again. It was it was hard to watch. It was it was very, very brutal. It was a very clear outcome for sure. Um, I think what we're going to have to figure out is whether or not, Mike, to go back to your analogy, is if we like horseradish on our steak, because I, I think like right now I'm intrigued by it because it's new and it's different. But as the season wears on, I think, you know, we'll we'll see how I end up liking it all in all. I think we're going to need to go back to to soup metaphors. Yeah. I don't I don't know that the steak and horseradish consomme is going to I, uh, if you guys are going to be able to keep this going in the B&B all season. I don't long. know if we're allowed to after Ariana Grande, you know, publicize what super you. Like we might need to be assembling our legal team, Liana, however much in shambles it may be to see if we need to take action against her for such, you know, blatant infringement. I know. I told you we should have filed the provisional patent on what soup are you? <laughs> but only if only we had done that. If only. Well, we will we will continue penniless, but still happy as we try to figure out what food metaphors we can apply to this season. You know what? Let's let's stay on the ream train here. Let's start getting into our usual fare. The Daily Express. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ooh, I love that because it could be a newspaper and a train. Uh, the ream machine. Ooh, there we go. Let's see. That's the great thing about Reem as well is that there's so many damn good or damn bad puns around her name that her legacy is going to be felt no matter what this season. Mm -hmm. That was my entire Twitter timeline, essentially, was Reem puns. (laughs) And 95% of that was Mike Bloom. Hey, the other five percent was from Josh Wiggler, uh, though it might have been a Keith pun or two. I've been I've been waiting for so long for the Ream puns. You have to forgive yeah. me. Just a, just a couple. Dalton Ross really loves it. He really likes to talk about getting reamed daily. Is his favorite thing to say. So I think we're we're all there now. 
All right, well, let's get into our preseason predictions about Miss Reem Daly, the woman of the hour-long episode. So we commiserated a bit offline, Leon and I, as we know. We left things in a bit of a purgatorial state during our preseason podcast as to how the hell are we going to be doing our predictions for this season. Liana, do you want to fill everyone in on what we settled on? Did we settle on something? I know what I settled on. (laughs) Uh, I don't know what you ended up doing. So essentially what I did was I wrote out a narrative of the season, uh, essentially saying, you know, the the quote unquote normal boot order where we've got pre-jury, jury, and then finale people. Um, And then I also have addendums to everyone is essentially if they were to be voted out, how they did on the Island of Extinction. So I don't really know how this is going to work, but thankfully for this very first episode, I think it'll be go. okay. do you want to read Reem uh, all the predictions or do you want to stop off at, you know, how she did on on edge of on Extinction Island, considering that we do not know that yet? Right. I think we just read the initial vote out and then I'm going to keep okay. what happened on Extinction Island uh, till we find her fate on Extinction Island. All right. Oh I, yeah, I, it's I, a cliffhanger just like I know. the episode. It's so exciting. <laughs> I, I blatantly copied off your format so luckily we can uh, pair our readings the same way. So Josh, you are going to be our arbor here to figure out who exactly is the most correct about how Ring did in our albeit unfinished predictions here on Edge of Extinction. All right. Can I use a robot to break the tie. <laughs> as long as the robot votes in my favor, yes. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yes, okay. as long as the robot is biased, then yes, all biased right. robots can come beyond the B&B in any way, shape, or form. Oh my gosh. All right, so I'll go ahead and go first. Uh, I had Reem going pre-jury, and this is what I wrote. When Manu loses the first challenge, everyone goes into anyone but me, a.k.a. Sandra Diaz twine mode. While Reem may have been watching Survivor since 2000, she might have missed the strategy because she continued to chastise her fellow tribe mates about their lack of shelter. Much like she was kicked out of her gym, she was unanimously kicked off the main island. Reem Daly becomes the mayor of Extinction Island, where she can set up her very own neighborhood security ring, which apparently, apparently, was one of her (laughs) hobbies. This is her island. Nice. Nice. Yeah, not going to lie. I'm real proud of that one. The mayor of Extinction Island, Reem Daly. Mayor Daly. Mayor Daly. That well, the Daily Mayor mail. <laughs> <laughs> you, mean, you, you, were, you were making it work. It I works. appreciate that. It you were like pulling it, it off. Like it. Well, you might I'm have you might it. have some competition here, Miss Boris, Uh-oh. because I also had Reem going pre-jury. Uh, I decided since this was the thing that by far got me the best results, albeit a very low bar to clear, I decided to just write out a few bullet points as to things she'll just do out there. Uh, So I said that she will butt heads immediately with War Dog. Uh, I said she'll tell at least one person to their face they're going home. And I said she'll become a target early on due to her abrasive personality. Wow. I did say she would end up surviving the first couple of votes before getting voted out, though. Wow. Hmm, that's tough. I mean, this is a real. This is. Are real we bringing in the robot? <laughs> I was gonna say you yeah. might need to just flip a coin. Well, I mean, honestly, like you guys both called it was Reem really that easy to call as an early boot? I suppose. I suppose to the surprise of nobody, right? Well, it, I mean, I, I think it was for me. It was her just continued insistence that she won't lie to anybody. And there's one thing about. I mean, Christian, I think talked about this with Rob, right? This idea of like how actually maybe this day in Survivor being honest is an admirable trait. There's a certain amount of tact it takes to approach the water, and it felt like Reem might have been lacking that tact. 
Mm. Yeah, I uh, I think for me, I, you know, look for people who, yeah, might have a tendency to be initially abrasive just because they're, you know, easy targets. Um, and someone who said, you know, even when she was like, oh, this is my show. This is the show that I watch. Don't call me. Don't talk to me. And she got kicked out of a gym. OK, like, <laughs> like who gets kicked out of a gym? Really? So that stood out to me for sure. Yeah, I think just because you named her the mayor of Extinction Island, I got to go with Liana, but it's really it's it's a close call. It could really have gone either way on this one. If this is uh, if this is the the level that you guys are going to be performing on with your predictions this season, you may want to stop podcasting because it seems that you've been spoiled. <laughs> or we should just go to Vegas if this is <laughs> apparently <laughs> yes. our success rate. Yes, yes, that works, too. Well, uh, yeah, some people are doing that this weekend, so maybe we should have joined them in, in retrospect. <laughs> so close all right oh my gosh yay i won okay i'll take it so we're gonna try something new just like survivors trying something new this season and like everything we do on the bnb it might work or it might crash and burn but unfortunately none of us josh and myself included as members of the survivor press have any exit interviews this season due to the odd construct of extinction island but we know that one member of this panel has become rather prolific at impersonating people while doing exit interviews while they may be inconvenienced otherwise. So <laughs> what we thought we might do is have Liana get into character and see if we can do a double exit interview with quote unquote Reem Daly. Oh, man. I feel like having backup for the Reem Daily exit interview is a good idea if 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 we ever are so lucky to actually speak with her. This is going to be a disaster. Although I, re- <laughs> I really liked Josh's impression. I thought he really had the voice down. I don't know how I'm supposed to compete with that. Yeah, you just kind of have to like you, you like cock your head back a little bit. You're like, yeah, what else? Yeah, okay. uh, don't 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 call me that. I'm a, I'm annoyed right now. <laughs> you know, just sort of just like really like half disinterested and half pissed off. I think is the way to to, to do your read. Okay, all right. all right, I'll try my best. All right, yeah. so uh, let's let's dial up here on my imaginary phone. Uh, all right, Josh, I think we have Reem on the line. Man, what an episode, Reem. How you doing today? Whatever, I'm here. <laughs> I'm gonna okay. talk Survivor. It's cool. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Have you uh, have you gotten around to watching the Americans yet? I I don't know. I don't know. Is that something that I should do? I'm like kind of yeah, looking for TV you. suggestions, but I don't know. I I just really like Game of Thrones. So Game Game of Thrones is good. Final season coming back April fourteenth. Reem, are you? Uh, who are you rooting for as the final season of Game of Thrones approaches? I mean, Cersei Lannister, obviously. Uh, just crazy, crazy. Can't wait to see what happens. All right, all right. Cool. The fans are going to kill us if we don't ask you some survivor questions. I, I think we, I think we gotta, we gotta shift gears. Reem, watching the episode back, what hurt the most? What was the biggest surprise as you were watching the premiere last night? Well, I was there, Josh, so nothing was a surprise <laughs> because I lived it. Uh, but it was just crazy that no one liked me. I was trying to be nice. I moved their stuff to the sun so it would dry. So I don't really see what the deal is about with that. Yeah, about that ring, because it seemed like at least we heard some confessionals about people like the war dog and Rick, you know, being angry about that. Did, did you get a sense from camp at all that anyone was disagreeing with you making those choices? Uh, no, I'm right. And I didn't understand what there was to disagree with because I was definitely in the right. I mean, come on. I, I know what I'm doing out here. This is my show. 
I watch this show all the time. So uh, come on, like guys, let's get with let's get with the program, okay? Now, Reem, do you think it would be possible for the rest of this exit interview if you could put the machete down? Because I'm just feeling a little nervous, like you're about to assault us with a weapon. I'm just holding it, Josh. I'm not doing anything. I had to sharpen it earlier to cut the coconuts because I'm an asset to the tribe. So, Is that machete made of Valyrian steel? <laughs> yes. Uh, th- you know, th- I actually brought this machete from home. Um, I- after I got kicked out of the gym, I've been doing workouts at home by chopping logs <laughs> in-, in my backyard. So uh, this is my own personal Valyrian steel machete. Well, Reem, you did say on the show that you were very clumsy, so I'm a bit worried just for your own safety. As Josh said, you may want to put that down. Mm, Oh, I I guess for you guys, uh, you didn't annoy me as much as my tribe annoyed me, so I guess I could do something for the two of you. Well, now, Reem, I know that, and speaking of those, you know, this is your show. You've watched these players since day one. I know that when the returning players climbed onto the boat, you said, I hate that you brought people I like. Uh, safe to say you did not share that same opinion uh, when you actually left the tribal council with Kelly and uh, Kelly and David looking behind you, right? Well, you know what? Here's what I will say. I will try. I will give everyone a chance. But when I am hangry, I am hangry. Also, I am afraid of snakes. And those two were so I was done with them and ready to be gone. I'm sorry. Were you phonetically spelling snakes for us? <laughs> Uh, no offense, but screw you guys. Oh, Remus hung up. All right. Well, it's the first exit interview that did not end on our terms, but. How, how did you pronounce snakes? I don't, I don't know. Snakes. Wow. Our, our time here is finished. I think we should just call the podcast. That's uh, <laughs> that's that's perfect. Hey, how that's how'd perfect. it go, guys? How was the exit interview? Sorry, I had, to, was... I had to hop off. <laughs> I think we got. I think we got some material. Okay, it was bad. <laughs> Didn't go great. Okay. Well, <laughs> we, might, we, might, we might want to do a breakout about who Reem's favorite Game of Thrones character is. Call it uh. Cersei is crazy. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I Ream of Thrones is uh is a podcast that I would listen to for sure. Where Ream Daily just goes in on everybody who is after Cersei Lannister. If we can't make that happen for post show recaps, I guess we probably won't because the show's still gonna be going on. But maybe as a maybe as a post uh Game of Thrones post show recap. Post post show recap. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And the Ream of Thrones you win or screw you. <laughs> screw you. Did you notice she flipped the bird in the confessional? That's awesome. Uh, Oh my god. Uh, I also just loved her when she got to the island. She was like, like WTF. There's nothing here. Like, what yeah. is this? That was so good. Well, <laughs> you know, it's 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 such an interesting person to be the first one out to the edge of extinction because, you know, by design, it's very bleak and it is really completely lacking in the way of instruction. Like you get there and like what your what your user experience would be is like you're on a boat, you are you are rowed ashore, uh depending on the weather, it might be very difficult to get off the boat in one piece. Speaking from experience, it was a very windy night the night that I went out there and it was a very rainy night the night that Reem went home so it was probably very co- confusing on on a weather level it is 
pitch dark, you know, pitch black out there. She just has her hand torch. There's really no signage other than like the one sign that says "Welcome to the Edge of Extinction." And the theory behind the the premise from from Jeff's perspective was to really not tell them anything, let them experience on experience it on its own, uh, to really give them an experience that's going to make like tribe life feel like the most exciting thing in the universe. So it's designed to be massively depressing and bleak and boring so that you can really dig deep, pull yourself up by the bootstraps and survive this thing. And for, for Reem to be the first person there, somebody who really doesn't suffer fools easily to begin with, I, I cannot imagine what those first few days completely on her own are like. It's, it's really, it's, this is some of the most anticipated television is this second episode of Survivor <laughs> is to see Reem on her own out there is just going to be unbelievable, I think. Yeah, Solitaire Reem is going to be a very interesting storyline coming into episode two. <laughs> oh my god, I loved that show. There was that guy who like built his own solitary pod and was like living in it. If only Reem had built her own extinction island and had lived on it. <laughs> is that what She's it? about to! <laughs> yeah, she gets her own. Oh boy. Well, uh, as per usual, we're each going to ask a discussion question. We each brought one to the table here as to out of this episode, Survivor at Large, whatever's under the sun here the fijian sun josh what did you bring for us to talk over this week well i anticipated that we would probably be talking uh about reem quite a bit so um i certainly want to talk about other people on the manu tribe eventually but i think we have not talked really at all about comma whatsoever so i felt like if we could shift the conversation over to comma comma session a little bit yeah let's i think just like move move that over to to the comma sutra tribe i think would be uh would be a good call uh and you know, it was a lot of the drama obviously was focused on everything surrounding Reem and the fallout of that. And over at Kama, it, it feels like things were pretty idyllic. I think uh, Julia on Twitter talked about how those first few days were a blast and everybody was having such a great time. So the drama that we have seen seems to stem from uh, firefighter Eric Haifman and uh, the YMCA's very own Gavin Whitson <laughs> conspiring together to turn the tables on the the returnees, Joe and Aubrey, and specifically Aubrey. And uh, I'm sure a great friend of the BNB, uh, phenomenal editor of First One Out and all things Big Brother Guru, Taryn Armstrong, I believe, was the one who had the great tweet about uh, how he's the person who complains about returning players on a newbie season and is simultaneously the person who is furious with Eric for even suggesting uh, ousting Aubrey Bracco as a possibility. Which leaves me with the question, if Eric Haifman successfully votes out Aubrey Bracco, should the Kama tribe go to tribal council, does he instantly become the most hated person on this season? (laughs) I think that's a really interesting question because there is that duality of, oh man, returning players. And then as soon as you see them, be like, oh yeah, returning players, yay. (laughs) Um, I think especially because he wanted to target Aubrey and not Joe, I think may also you know, bring some extra wrath of Survivor fans. Um, But I mean, honestly, his logic makes total sense. And if you really are able to sort of take some of the emotion of being attached to Aubrey and these returning players out of it, I mean, I totally get his decision making. Yeah, I mean, I'll add a question onto Josh's question. Where the hell did Eric come from? Oh, yeah. I feel like preseason, all of us and Josh, you might have gotten a different first impression from actually talking with him. But I feel like we were all saying like, 
He seems like a totally normal guy. We'll see what the edit does. He's the one coming out here being like, as a firefighter, I make lightning fast connections. Can't wait to draft behind Joe's big, broad, manly, gorgeous shoulders. Like, this was not the man that I personally saw talking to you. Well, so uh, one of the the reads that I got from other people who were who were taking in the preseason stuff was that Eric reminded them of like the next coming of J.P. Hilsebeck. Mm-hmm. Uh and and that really shocked me because Eric maybe a little vanilla, you know, maybe, maybe is like a, a little bit of like the we've seen this type of guy on Survivor a bit too often in the past. But I wouldn't think of him as like a JP. I would think of him more in like the the Brendan Shapiro mold mm-hmm. or, or somebody or somebody like that who's kind of like nice dad, good upstanding character, wants to play a good hard game, but fair and nice and not mean and not drag anybody through the mud. And the the types of stuff he's talking about in this episode all feels like that makes sense to me for for someone like Eric based on my conversation with him. Um, but I, I guess I I didn't ask him like who his favorite survivor player was. And I guess he didn't have an answer to that question. Like, I guess like he was grilled by like Arissa and Dalton or some of these other people. And, and he didn't know anything about survivor history whatsoever. I didn't push him too hard on that stuff. So I walked away thinking that Eric was a totally capable uh, survivor player in the making. Um, but I, I must have just had a very different experience to them i don't know maybe maybe that's why he wants to get rid of aubrey he's like look if i don't know you you're gone (laughs) right well because all he knows is what jeff probe said on that boat and so he's like oh she stayed all those days on survivor gotta get her out of this game yeah he didn't even study the survivor wiki so he's not even like savage levels of knowledge he's really coming into this blind i do love uh probes i feel like was in rare form on the boat specifically and josh i'm sure you have stories about the marooning but like all the stuff he went into, but I do love when he brings up the four returning players, how he does give eventually good words to all four of them, but he just completely like digs in on the sad part of both David and Aubrey's growth narratives. Like God, they sucked in the beginning. They were wimps. They were about to go and then they rose to prominence, but you could tell that Aubrey and David were both like, yep. Uh, yeah. Please don't remind me of that. Please don't remind me of something that millions of people have already grilled me about for the past, you know, several years. Yeah. Well, and especially when Kelly's and Joe's are just so positive, too, (laughs) like in comparison. Uh, my favorite part, because when when I witnessed it out there, I didn't have like a good view of what was happening in the boat. You're, you know, handed earpieces and you can hear what's happening, but you can't like really see like all of the details of exactly into the boat. So I didn't get eyes on any of the, the four returning players in that moment. So watching the premiere back and seeing like Joey Amazing, like convulsing with laughter as Jeff was describing him was such a weird experience. It was like he, he just felt too awkward at all of the praise that he that he couldn't even take it it's like wow very humble guy joey amazing this is a, this is a real surprise he's been meditating quite a bit so you oh know pretty much he's like down. bursting with energy it was crazy <laughs> uh but yeah that was that was uncomfortable for for all of them i'm, I'm sure like to just like be like openly dragged and like these are why all of these four players are the most dangerous people on this boat right now uh and good luck yeah. you know like yeah. just like to like really just be dragged through the mud at the start of the game must have been tough well i think uh, i think to go back to your original question uh yes is the answer i think he will get a lot of uh, hate for taking out Aubrey, but I don't think that it would last particularly long. You know, I think that eventually, oh, wait, no, what am I saying? People would come to their right of mind. No, no, no. 
maybe he still would be hated. I mean, I think his whole like, oh, I just want to have fun. I just want to be a jungle kid. I think if he can parlay that into that still fun attitude, but then like really becomes a player, maybe takes out Aubrey and then is able to go on and have some agency in the game. I think then that doesn't really leave as sour of a taste in your mouth um, necessarily, uh, you know, after that type of move. Yeah, I do feel like, and I don't want to, you know, paint the survivor community with too thick of a brush here, but it does feel like partially if a favorite does get sort of, you know, dethroned, then you assume like, okay, you're the Highlander now, do something with it. You know, I feel like if Eric got eliminated, you know, a couple of rounds from now in just a, a random vote, either people would be cheering at their TVs that Aubrey got revenge or like, wait a minute, she she got eliminated so that this guy can make it a few more rounds and then go out. So I feel like if Eric does eliminate Aubrey, I mean, it's a good freaking move. That's the tough thing as well, as Taryn said, is that like, it's it's theoretically good strategy on his part and not even to, you know, to also admit the fact that like I can utilize one returnee much more than the other one. Uh, but sometimes, you know, good good strategy does not make for the best results, either from a, an entertainment perspective or from a, a rootable perspective. Mm. Totally. All right. Uh, so let's get into our first game of the BNB. I know, Josh, you're so excited for all the games. I love the games. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I know this might be blasphemous to bring up another reality TV show, uh, but this game that I've prepared is based on the TV show The Masked Singer on Fox. <laughs> so for those of you uh, who may not know, The Masked Singer features uh, different celebrities singing in these head-to-toe costumes costumes and face masks so their their identities are completely concealed um so for example and spoiler alert if you have not watched the show or you know if you care um the pineapple for example was one of the characters and was revealed to be tommy chong the poodle uh, so that's who pineapple cho. boy 27 is now his identity is um so what we're gonna do today is we're gonna play the masked survivor uh where the cast of this season has donned masks concealing their identities uh and you're gonna have to try to guess uh who the contestant is under the mask so first of all shout out to dj labelle klein for suggesting this idea the irony I yeah. know, right? What a mask. He is the masked singer. <laughs> yeah, that's actually the first contestant. Uh no. So, can we can we can we say that these singers are donning their me hands? I just feel better about that. Okay. Yes, they're putting in their teeth. Their masks, and they're donning yes. their me hands. Yes. Right. You, yes. Have to, you have to make them take their teeth out to reveal who they, they have are. to take your me hands off. Yeah. Okay. So the way this is gonna work is I'll introduce a masked survivor. I'll read a brief description of the contestant and then play a clip of that contestant. So what I've done is I've taken audio from their preseason interviews with Arissa Cox. Sorry, I didn't choose the first one out. No, stuff. that's great. I felt that's that fine. might be a little spoiler. <laughs> I'm just, I'm a little bit bitter about it, but it's going to be okay. <laughs> okay. Um, and then it is up to you guys, Josh and Mike, as our panel to try to guess who the contestant is under the mask. Okay. Before we, before we get into that, uh, Josh, I know it's been, you know, a slim but quickened off season. Did you get into the mass singer at all during that time? No, and I, I have regretted it uh, deeply. Actually, I, I you know I, I love Survivor. I'm not a huge reality show guy beyond that, but I kept seeing things about the mass singer, and I, I watched some clips. I think I saw the the Terry Bradshaw uh, unmasking, and I thought that that was the funniest thing. And it, it just felt at that point that I was I had missed the boat, and I wasn't going to be able to get into. It. But I, I have regrets. It seemed like it was right up my alley i yeah i watched the first few episodes for me i've personally felt like there might have been diminishing returns and just having them keep coming back because that's the thing they only eliminated like 
one to two of these per week. So we keep having them perform every week. And I feel like by like the first two episodes, social media had pretty much nailed at least, you know, the, the top two contenders for each identity. So it's a little much It's like watching it sort of go through all the motions as this poor, hapless celebrity panel grasped at all the straws they could possibly find to see who's actually underneath those masks. Uh, so I will admit, I really liked it in the beginning. I, I have not cost the call it the last couple episodes. Maybe if people want to let me know if it picks up at all. Uh, but that that's that's my feelings towards it. It's a really bananas and fun concept. But when you keep doing it over and over again, maybe it loses its value a bit. Yeah, I, I definitely think that that's the case. The reason why I have continued watching as an avid fan now of The Bass Singer is because I made the mistake of becoming emotionally involved with one of the uh, contestants. And I wow. love, love the monster so much. So, so much. It's very, it's it's terrible. So the monster survived last night's episode. Spoiler alert. And I was so excited I couldn't fall asleep. <laughs> wow. Were you afraid me. that the monster was in your closet? Is that why? No, the monster. Oh, the monster is so adorable. And yeah, but definitely the internet figured out who everybody is. And I know, like, I mean, we pretty much know who the monster is, but I don't care. I'm kind of still involved. So anyway, the monster is Reem Daly. Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine? (laughs) And then actually the monster goes out to play on Survivor. And then, you know, (laughs) actually the masked Survivor. It gets very complicated from there. Okay, so let's get in to our first contestant. So uh, I want to give a shout out to the animalinyou.com <laughs> which was a website that I used to help figure out wow. some of the <laughs> um, because essentially the, the animalinyou.com um, is where they attribute personalities to different types of animals and that was very useful in writing a number of these so just want to give credit where credit is due oh man okay our first contestant is the eagle So the eagle has a striking presence that exudes a powerful sexual energy. Eagles are natural explorers that love to be outdoors and use their hustler behavior to get stuff done. These are the skills that the eagle plans to utilize during its time on Survivor to hunt for food and win over its fellow tribe mates. But the eagle needs to be careful because sometimes this eagle enjoys flying a little too close to the sun. Oh, geez. Okay. 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 So clip one, please. I guess I have a good smile. I guess I'm funny, kind of, sometimes. I, no, there's, I think they're looking for, they're looking for a super fan. They're looking for someone who knows this game. Passion, competitive as hell. Um, easy, you know, easy on the eyes, some of us. Okay, oh, so wow. that is the eagle. Do either of you have thoughts on who this contestant could be? Yeah. I do. Okay. Josh, I do have think? thoughts. I do have thoughts. So we're we're talking about somebody who thinks that they're like the 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 cock of the walk, the eagle, right? Mm-hmm. That they're they're going to be a provider, but sometimes they fly a little too close to the sun. Maybe they're attractive. I don't know. I don't want to be too braggadocious about such things. Uh, talking about being a super fan as well, I feel like this ticks all the boxes for Chris Underwood. Mm-hmm. I feel like Chris Underwood is the eagle. This is the guy who walked into my inner interview lit shot out of a cannon quoting the evolution of strategy and saying that he is the super nerd that's hiding behind the Aussie mask time to take off your me hand the eagle I believe you are Chris Underwood yes I, I would I would agree with that I think especially the clip sort of shows 
his style there he has garnered comparisons to chris noble with maybe as you said josh his more braggadocious uh qualities but he does start off a bit humble saying you know i guess i have a good smile i guess i'm kind of funny sometimes and then he ends up talking about how you know hey they want to bring on someone who knows this game has passion is competitive as hell and pretty easy on the eyes so i feel like he uh well he may have been trying to hide himself in the first half of that clip the 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 feathers came out prominently during the last part Okay, so you both have locked in Chris Underwood. Uh, so the way the Mass Singer works is they play the Who's song, Who Are You? <laughs> uh, I don't know if we have the license <laughs> for that. So Who are you? There we go. Okay, can, it be, um, can it be Woo Are You? <laughs> As in, are you woo? <laughs> Given how uh, prolific he's been on television recently, it's not impossible that it is woo. <laughs> All right, so the eagle will reveal its mehan to reveal Chris Underwood. <laughs> yes. Whoa! Congratulations! Oh wow, more more time dedicated to Chris Underwood's mask than Chris Underwood in the premiere of Survivor 38. Yes, this is definitely the most attention on Survivor Chris Underwood has received so far. It's off to a great start for this poor guy. Okay, so let's move on to our next contestant, the Nutcracker. <laughs> Wait, was the Nutcracker was on what animal are you dot com? <laughs> okay, this one I came up with myself. <laughs> I mean, I can picture the costume and it's remarkable. See? Okay, so this Nutcracker is ready to get cracking. <laughs> so embarrassing. Okay, like most modern Nutcrackers, this contestant <laughs> might. <laughs> I had to Google. Too many things. Like most modern nutcrackers. Are we talking about like the like the the Russian doll nutcracker or like like the like the sort of like the metal uh looks almost like you're cracking a lobster nutcracker? No, not not like the lobster ones. We're definitely talking okay. like a Christmas like soldier a okay, nutcracker. Cool. Got it, got like, it, okay. okay. <laughs> Back to my brilliantly written description. <laughs> okay. Like most modern nutcrackers. This contestant might be primarily decorative and not able to crack nuts, but don't let that fool you. This nutcracker has been on the shelf for a while, always watching, and therefore might have a few tricks up its wooden sleeves. Okay, clip two. I have no survivor skills whatsoever, and uh, I, I don't sleep outside. I don't pee in the bushes. I did once in Central Park, but that was like an emergency. <laughs> so I think that I'm a total fish out of water, and it's just something different that they don't typically have. Okay, what are your thoughts about the Nutcracker? Oh, so man. I think like, I, I feel like I've got this one too. How about yeah, you? I'm, unfortunately, you? while she wanted to see what was up her wooden sleeves, I think too many nuts <laughs> fell out. Uh, considering that, oh, God, poor, poor Julie Rosenberg uh, depicted this story not only here but also on the air as well of her one-time squat in Central Park. So I, I, yes. I feel like it's pretty definitively her. You have- I, but the, the good news about this is uh, she is going to be able to cash in very hard on a new line of nutcrackers on her Etsy shop. I think that this is uh, this is just going to sell itself. They're going to fly off the shelf. All right. So I'm not going to be able to lead. Yes, this was Julie Rosenberg. And I will say the fact. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> yes. The reason why I did pick the nutcracker in part was because she makes wooden toys on Etsy. So thank you, Josh. <laughs> For acknowledging that. Uh, and you can imagine my disappointment as I'm watching Survivor. I'm like, damn it! She talked about peeing in the bushes. But I pulled this clip and changed the pitch to play on my podcast. <laughs> Such a bizarre, like, oh man, come on. 
All right. So you guys are doing great. You've identified both the eagle and the nutcracker, but can you identify the fox? Ooh, Ooh my wife? <laughs> Spoiler alert. It's Emily. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay. Foxes are known for their cunning and trickery, and this fox is no exception. Foxes are not always pack animals, but do like to bond with small family groups. In this game, the fox is prepared and ready to use its resourcefulness to win the million dollars. I decided that I should read the book that Chaos Cast recommended reading, How to Win Friends and Influence People. <laughs> and uh, the main point that I got off of it was show a genuine interest in others because people only care about themselves, which is true. You know, I like talking about me, you know, and other people probably don't necessarily love listening. Okay, that was the fox. Can we make it three for three? Hmm, oh, man. What does the fox say? All right, so here's what I'm thinking. Maybe this is just a you know primary color association, but yeah, I'm thinking yes. fox. I'm thinking red. I'm yes. thinking Victoria. That's where that's where I'm leaning towards personally. Yeah, yeah, I think so as well. I mean, uh, I have not uh, studied the voices of the Edge of Extinction cast in chipmunk mode, but I have listened to them quite a bit in the the preparation of uh, first one out. So I feel like I have this unfair advantage where I feel like I can even hear them through the Alvinification uh, of what's happening here. So I do believe that this is Victoria. It also just sounds totally like a thing Victoria would say, uh, and I think that she talked about that with me as well maybe i don't remember but i'm gonna i'm gonna go with mike here i'm gonna say this is victoria okay josh play the sound clip <laughs> oh that was just you singing oh my josh, god it was put, so push, good. put your finger on your throat and play the clip <laughs> I, I was unprepared i thought that it was what did the fox say and i forgot what the original song was supposed to be but i got it Woo are you woo 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 victoria yes, yes. Yeah, I was like, what is Irish and what animals Irish and Puerto Rican? That was like my first thought. And no, I did end up going with the simplicity of, yes, the, the red hair uh, and coat of the fox. Plus, she was smart and, you know, seemed like she could be cunning. And, and uh, so I felt that that was a good fit. You could have gone with the valedictorian. The valedictorian. So that was my, I thought I was like, okay, I gotta do something with the valedictorian. And then I was like, what does her costume look like? A uh, graduation <laughs> outfit. <laughs> yeah, but then what does the face, is the face just another a diploma. human face? They're, no, they just have like the square hat is just like worn on the face. So the square is just facing out to the crowd. It's a very strange look. There we go. Okay, next, next season. Next season, we'll utilize that one. Okay, our next contestant, the puffer fish. The puffer fish plans on using its appearance to evade being voted out, despite being a clumsy swimmer who reacts quickly and emotionally to the events going on around it. While the majority of puffer fish species are toxic, the meat of some species is considered a delicacy. Will the other survivor contestants be able to stomach the dual nature of this puffer fish? There was no puffer fish on animal, what animal are you.com. So that was a rough one. But okay, all right, let's play the clip. I feel like I'm like a wolf in sheep's clothing because like I mean you're not gonna expect it from me so like they won't see me coming <laughs> like I want to be like a puppeteer like they don't know I'm, I'm over here and they're like again I'm, I'm letting them think that they're calling the shots <laughs> I couldn't even understand what was being said <laughs> I know I sampled that one and it was just like the way that puppeteer <laughs> sounded and so I couldn't change it <laughs> wait can, can we hear from the pufferfish one more time please Mike oh of course 
I feel like I'm like a wolf in sheep's clothing because like I mean you're not gonna expect this from me so like they won't see me coming. <laughs> like I want to be like the puppeteer like they don't know I'm, I'm over here and they're like again I'm, I'm letting them think that they're calling the shots. Yeah no, I got this one. Yeah. Mike go for it. So this puffer has the patter of one Wendy Diaz to me, just from the very unique way she's speaking. You could pitch her voice down all you want, but I feel like the rapid pace that she's speaking is total Wendy. I'm going to agree. I'm going to say this is the big puffer fish. Okay. You guys are better than the entire panel on The Masked Singer because, yes, the puffer fish was Wendy Diaz. I am now, I'm going to print out a certificate saying that I'm a, a better guesser than Jenny McCarthy and just nail it to my wall because that might be the highest commendation I've ever received in my life. Yeah, write to Nick Cannon and say you deserve a spot on the show as the panel for next season. Okay, our next contestant is the Rhino. So, oh, is Ryan Obrey? Oh, I was gonna say it could be the Spider-Man villain, the Rhino. <laughs> yeah, it's actually the wrestler, the Rhino. Uh, I just imagine that it's a survivor from this season dressed as Rhino from Survivor Pro Islands. What, what does that entail? Like an electrician's outfit and a pelican on your on your shoulder? No, they just have like a full body suit that looks like uh, Rhino. Right. Like that's that like is the face, costume. Is yeah. The hoodie. yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I get it. Okay. All right. Um, the description may not fit that, but let's pretend that that's the costume. <laughs> All right. Brawny and self assured, these cantankerous beasts allow nothing to stand in their way with their formidable bulk and tightly wound natures. The rhino, capable of immense passion, is ready to use its uniquely engaging charm and determination to take control of this game. I didn't know that rhinos were so amorous. <laughs> Look, I could read you the whole animal in you <laughs> rhino description, which includes the love and friendship category, which states that rhinos are surprisingly delicate in bed. Okay, so I wow. had to read this for our enjoyment. Would not expect that. Yeah, yeah, especially not from rhino. <laughs> <laughs> the rhino costume. Okay, ready for clip five. As far as like, skiing goes, you know, I'm like, I probably assume how I look. I'm probably a big rock out there. I don't know if I'm very fast. I won't drown. I've been, I've been somewhat, what you call swimming my whole life, sort of. Like, I never, I don't drown, but I don't be fast. So I'm like in good form out there. And that's pretty much it. <laughs> okay, that one sounded better on my computer. <laughs> that sounded like nonsense. Can you play that again, Mike? As far as like skiing goes, you know, I'm like, I probably assume how I look. I'm probably a big rock out there. I don't know very fast. I won't drown. I've been, I've been somewhat, what you call swimming my whole life, sort of. Like, I never, I don't drown. My eyes will be fast. So I'm like in good form out there. And that's pretty much it. And that's pretty much it. Okay. I think, I, I, I don't know if I can, like, vote, but I'm voting this one to move on. This, this is my favorite by far of the five so far. <laughs> We vote to keep the rhino this week. I like the rhino. The rhino is a mystery to me. This is the this is the first one where I'm really not sure. All right, I I have a guess here because I believe from all the gobbledygook the rhino was putting out there. <laughs> Did you understand what the rhino was saying? Uh, I believe at one point he said, uh, "I'm not gonna sink like a rock, even though I look like one." And I was trying to search my mind as to who looks like a rock. And I feel like I might be drifting towards another animal-based contestant. I'm, I'm thinking this might be the war dog. Wow, the war dog. Ah, oh, man, I hadn't I hadn't thought about that. Can can we can we hear from the rhino one more oh, time? Absolutely. <laughs> as far as like skiing goes, you know, I'm like I probably assume how I look. I'm probably a big rock out there. I don't know very fast. I won't drown. I've been 
I think in some way, if you call swimming my whole life, sort of, like, I remember I got to drown. Rides will be fast. So I'm like, good form out there. And that's pretty much it. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I have no idea. That doesn't sound like a human being. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like... Not even sounds like a rhino. Uh, I'll just, uh, Mike, we're in this together. Yeah, might as well. Uh, you got the wheel. Let's go with War Dog all the way. Let's drive this off the cliff together. All right. Well, Thelma and Louise, the joint decision was right. Yes, wow. that was the War Dog, apparent, apparently. Uh, oh, my God. Wait, wait. All right. Now, now I need this to be a thing. Can we, can we try to make like the war puppy? a segment every week where you take a war dog clip and pitch his voice up because he is miles more entertaining if you pitch his voice up. <laughs> the war dog as a baby rhino is a spectacular concept. I just think it's it's amazing and I would pay money right now to see that Disney movie. It's so cute. All right. Well, I'll, I'll write that down. <clears throat> All right. In the meantime, let's talk about our last contestant, the weasel. Now the f- oh woo, <laughs> so he is here. <laughs> woo is right. here. The ferocity of most members of the weasel family is legendary, and so it's no surprise that the weasel is highly territorial and completely devoted to its pack. This competitor is aggressive, but has an above-average intelligence, will, which will allow them to think quite well on their feet. Will the weasel's quick mind be able to take advantage of a rapidly changing situation in the game of Survivor? Now, let's see if we can understand the clip. <laughs> <laughs> Tried to practice making fire with Flint, and I was not successful. Like, I practiced so much, and I could never get it. You look on TV, and you're like, how do these idiots not make them fire? Didn't they practice before they were on the show? And then here I am, my fingers are bleeding, I'm trying, I still couldn't do it. So, um, I'm afraid if it comes down to a fire-making challenge, I may be out of luck. <laughs> wow, that's very tough news for the weasel. <laughs> Weasels are not known for making fire as they do not have opposable thumbs. Well, that's why their fingers are bleeding. That's right. Okay, oh so what are your thoughts on the weasel? I mean, the weasel sounds super blunt. Uh, unlike the flint, I guess, that they were trying to work with there. I mean, I know we, we keep talking about Reem. She might be my first thought, but I don't know. Now I'm going back to your clues about like the highly intelligent thing, and now, now I'm not entirely sure. What are you thinking, Josh? Yeah, can can we hear the description of the weasel one more time just so that we can track those clues a little closer? Okay. The ferocity of most members of the weasel family is legendary, and so it's no surprise that the weasel is highly territorial and is completely devoted to its pack. This competitor is aggressive but has an above-average intelligence, which will allow them to think quite well on their feet. Will the weasel's quick mind be able to take advantage of rapidly changing situations in the game of Survivor? Oh man. All right. So somebody who's who's ready to improvise, somebody who is who is prepared to adapt to a given situation, somebody who is also going to be loyal to their pack. Is that ringing any bells for you, Michael? Oh man. Okay. So someone who's super smart, super loyal. Above average intelligence, I believe. The weasel is, is intelligent but not super smart. I mean, like super now genius. I'm now I'm thinking about what about somebody like Aurora? who seems like she's ready to be loyal. I mean, I, I don't know if we're counting returning players out of this, even though I don't think a returning player would say that they're not able to make fire. Uh, but I feel like maybe maybe I might be changing my pick to Aurora here, because I do feel like she is someone who is shrewd, and we'll talk about her intelligence, but at the same time is a bit down to earth. Okay. Um, 
I'll diverge. Okay. I'll go ad- we'll, we'll make we'll make this interesting. Um man, I, I don't know why but I I want to I want to say it's Rick. I want to say Rick's the weasel. I want to say Rick is the Rick is the guy who's above above average intelligence, loyal to his pack, is going to be adaptable. Uh give me Rick Devins as as the weasel and show me two Devin Pintos inside the weasel suit instead of Rick. <laughs> okay. So, drum roll, please, or who are you, please? <laughs> who are you? Woo, 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 woo. You're both wrong. <laughs> so, I wrote this for Ron Clark. So, I will Whoa. tell you the reasons. I will tell you the reasons why I wrote what I did. So, the weasel is highly territorial, completely devoted to its pack. He has his school, he's like completely devoted to his school. The competitor is aggressive, which he did talk a lot about being aggressive and that he has above average intelligence. So those are the reasons why I chose the weasel. Also, he's like, feels a little weaselly to me. That was like my feeling. And that's wow. a total gut feeling. So you can't challenge that because it's subjective. Mm, weasels do the like to cover is... themselves in dirt like Ron did after yeah. digging up that secret See? advantage. And he, yeah. yes, weasels uh, notoriously love menus. Uh, so that totally <laughs> makes sense. Um, Weasels like to have options. Yeah, right. Know. I mean, that's that hit Pixar movie, Weasel Tui, right? Where he comes up with his own that's restaurant right. menu. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, congratulations to the two of you. You have done much better, honestly, than the cat or the panel on uh, frickin' Mass Singer. So, really well that's done. Good. Congratulations to the two of you. I feel good about that. Yeah, I feel I mean, I think we've exposed the world to number five. I think I think it's a job well done on all of our parts. <laughs> Congratulations, everyone. <laughs> I can't. I, I love the rhino so much. Oh, boy. Well, let, let's move on here. Let's charge ahead like a rhino. Uh, I, I want to talk about Wendy for a bit because I mentioned this before, but I guess my question here is sort of basically for you, Josh, but also, I guess, for the survivor community at large. Did you have any knowledge before this episode of Wendy's Tourette's? I'm super intrigued to hear about this. Yeah, so I, I certainly noticed like the the ticks that she's talking about in the episode during the interview. Um, but I'm very awkward, and I didn't really know how to broach it, and so I kind of just didn't. Uh, like I just didn't really know what, what to say, and I kind of just like mentally cataloged it. And afterwards, uh, after all the interviews were done, um, you know, we get together as press and we you know trade notes. Who who are your favorites? Who was a who was a who was a snooze? Who who was who was a home run? Uh, and of course, we got to Wendy because everybody had something to say about Wendy. She was such a big personality, uh, and I think that it was uh, Arissa and. Dalton maybe both uh, spoke with her and learned uh, that she had Tourette. So that's how I how I found out. I loved the way that they played that on yeah. the show. I think with with a character like Wendy, like you really expect because she's such an outsized personality. You know that's why she's big Wendy. Um, that she's going to be played up for for comic relief. That she's going to be like a very reamish type of character because there's so much potential there. But to have her out there talking about Tourette's in in such a public way and in, in in such like a just like this is my life and this is something I deal with in my life this is part of me kind of matter of fact way I thought was was marvelous for a survivor we really haven't seen that um, you know we haven't seen that on the show before and you don't really see that much on TV at all or in pop culture I think uh, Fishback on Know-It-Alls was talking about that how like when you think about Tourette's in, in popular culture you just think of like vulgarity uh, and I thought that this was this was a really really wonderfully illustrated way um, to, to 
highlight that that's just not it that's that's not <laughs> there's there's there could be a lot more to it than that yeah and i think the show handled it really well that it was sympathetic but it wasn't overly so the, you know yeah, that totally. we were sort of being forced to you know to to appeal to her i don't know other people may feel differently but i thought that it really just painted it in a look this is the facts this is how i live my life you know i know i'm awkward and i know that there are these things about me but this is who i am and to see somebody who represents you know that uh particular you know i don't know uh part of Tourette's. i don't know if that's the right phrase but uh you know somebody who is like that just to see it on tv i think is really nice because it's something that you don't necessarily encounter every day and i think it is helpful to empathize with people who are in that situation when you see somebody just being so matter of fact about it and it being portrayed in such an honest way yeah i mean to speak on the whole like i guess diversity angle of it as well it's interesting to sort of have to your points that story told you know well we ha- we have had a bunch of other types of stories being told uh but but not in a particular way that wendy's really vocalizing and it also speaks to how that informs her as a person as well she speaks about how she can get very energetic and excited and part of that is sort of informed by this you know weird sort of uh whirlpool of tourette coupled with the ocd so it's a cool way that again even 38 seasons in say what you want to about the casting of the show but the fact they're able to bring in such unique people that represent such unique parts of the world at large to our television screens every week is a really cool thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think for, for the hour long premiere and like what we had talked about earlier, uh, how it, at, at times it just felt very rushed and there wasn't the same room that's been afforded in recent premieres to, um, to really exploring certain characters, uh, certainly like the, the best premieres that you, that you think of where you're really allowed to have, uh, a real close up, uh, look of some of these new players, people you haven't met before. I think of like the, the first blood versus water is a really good example of that for me of where you're really getting those personal stories you're hearing about like you know vetus's drug addiction and sierra bonding with everybody about her status as a young mom uh and i think that it was really well done in david versus goliath most recently this episode lacked that Mm -hmm. for me but with wendy really delivered uh and so if if this is sort of like the the level of detail into these people and who they are that we're going to get especially out of a situation as exhausting as extinction i think could be very compelling television moving forward All right, well, let's move on here to something a bit more miscellaneous for this specific Survivor season, but still within the Survivor community at large. So, InsideSurvivor.com came out with an article on February 11th, only 10 days before we're recording this, called Survivor Pet Peeves That Should Be Sent to Extinction Island, where Martin Holmes uh, quizzed a series of former contestants about what pet peeves from Survivor they would personally send to Extinction Island. I've compiled that into a quiz. So we're going to go back and forth. You're each going to get a question with four multiple choices. Uh, you'll get a chance to take a swing at it. Uh, if you get the answer wrong, I'll give the other person a chance to guess as well. But if you get it right, you get a point. Uh, at the end of all this, we'll see who has the most summed up. Uh, Liana, at first glance, what, what do you think about this idea for a, I guess it's sort of like a Festivus article for Survivor alumni to air their grievances against the show? Yeah, I, you know, I think it could be therapeutic for contestants that want to just get it out. Will this have uh, any ramifications in the actual game later on in next seasons? I don't know. Are any of these former contestants Tyler Perry? I don't know. <laughs> uh, that may change it, but that's really interesting that Inside Survivor did this. All right. Well, let's start off here. We'll start with you, Liana. 
so again, I'll ask you a question, give you a choice of four possible answers, and you have to guess what's going on. So, of these four contestants, I'm about to list, who said as one of their pet peeves, quote, I'd love it if Castaways stopped trying to say little quips when Jeff asked for immunity back. Lol, like we get it if you want to win again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> A. Jessica Figgy Figueroa. B. Jay Starrett. C. Teresa T. Bird Cooper. D. Davey Rickenbacker. Ooh. Okay. Uh, to me, that sounds like something Figgy might say. So I'm going to go with Figgy. I'm sorry, that is incorrect. Josh, you have a chance to steal here. Jay, T-Bird, or Davey, who said, I'd love it if Castaway stopped trying to say little quips when Jeff asked for immunity back. Lol, like we get it, you want to win again. It obviously cannot be T-Bird because she's, uh, she's in support of whatever anybody wants to do. She's like your number one fan, as long as you're not hurting anybody. So I can't imagine that that is a grievance of T-Bird's. I can't imagine that Jay Starrett responded to an inside survivor email. I just can't. I cannot envision that world. So it has to be Davey Rickenbacker. Where's Davey? He's in the correct answer bar. That is correct. Uh, Davey Rickenbacker, one of his pet peeves was indeed people uh, saying quips about getting the immunity eye back, which makes sense. I do feel like in David versus Goliath, especially with the Goliath tribe, there was a lot of like, ooh, I can't wait to see you again or keeping it warm for me. It is it is getting a little out of hand. Yeah, the editors could just choose not to do those, like include those, or it can only work if it's a pun, right? Then I think maybe people would appreciate it a little bit more. Like, you gotta put some more work into it. Uh, just a tiny bit. Well, yeah. I mean, they'll hopefully get to utilize that this season, considering that the immunity idol is like a dragon holding a little golden ball, from what I saw. <laughs> Ream you later. <laughs> I don't know right. why the bottom we'll chop that one back in Kev. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have to put that in ream, I think. <laughs> All right, Josh, uh, let's go to you for this next one. Coach Benjamin Wade listed three things he would personally send to Extinction Island, which oh, wow. is not one of them. A, the final fire-making challenge. B, challenges don't last long enough. C, drawing walks at Tribal. D, Circle jerk jury gang up. Oh my god. <laughs> Beware the, the circle jerk jury gang up. Alright, so I'm I'm picking one that he would not send. Yes, the, the other the three were his pet peeves. The the other one I made up. Okay, so it was uh fire making was A. Challenges uh, not lasting long enough is B. Rock draw is C. Circle jerk jury gang up is D. Okay, uh, it's it's unfair because I I did read this, uh, but it was like a week two weeks ago, and I my memory sucks these days. There are a lot of reasons why that's the case. We don't need to go into all of them on a podcast, <laughs> uh, but I think I think that he doesn't. Uh, man, I think that he he would have no issue with the long challenges. That is my guess. That is correct. Coach okay, was totally yeah. fine with the length of challenges. Not a fan of the fire making challenge, rock draws, or quote unquote circle jerk jury gang up. Yeah, especially because Coach's most infamous moment is a super long challenge. It's him pushing his body all the way to the limit until he couldn't move anymore and needed uh, Stephen Fishback to help him up. 
Cir- loves that stuff. Circle jerk jury gang up is just such a great <laughs> phrase. I think that we should say that instead of bitter juries now. That's right. The official yes. Term. yes. Circle jerk jury gang ups. It's got like a rural juror quality. Yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> All right, Liana, let's go back to you here. Elizabeth Olsen from last season. One of her pet peeves is she wants what type of player to be banned from applying for Survivor? A. Stupid. B. Obnoxious. C. Lazy. D. Creepy. Oh, I okay. So I remember, didn't she have a confessional about stupid players? So I'm going to go with stupid players. She doesn't like stupid players. That is correct. Uh, Elizabeth specifically said, let me see if I can find it here. I think, all- I think on the show she said, I don't like stupid people yes, yeah, or, exactly. or or lazy people as well. So that's why I wanted yeah. to, to throw it in there. But she said, I think all stupid players should be banned. Specifically, all casting should require basic math minimum standards, adding and subtracting various numbers under 20. Amazing. I love Elizabeth. She's phenomenal. That's <laughs> that's great. I agree. That makes sense. All right, Josh, we're going to you here and we're going to someone who was mentioned before and compared in fleeting reference to Kelly Wentworth on this episode. Uh, Spencer Bledsoe wanted to eliminate one core element of a typical Survivor episode or season, as it were. What did he want to eliminate as part of his pet peeves? A, starting with three tribes. B, the family visit. C, giving up the immunity necklace. D, reward challenges. Mm. Um, I could imagine the scenario where he would want to give up reward challenges and, and maybe create some more time for like beach drama and just not have reward challenges involved in the episodes anymore. Maybe I'm projecting because I would be okay with that. Uh, I'll go with that. That'll be my answer. Your gut has been proven good so far, Josh. That is correct. Nice. Damn it, Josh. It's like, you know, this game or something. I don't I don't know. (laughs) Spencer and I are just vibing right now, I guess. You're going to just make real connections. with Yes, (laughs) we made a real connection with our mind meld just now. All right, Liana, we're going to you here. Uh, Jessica Lewis of Why Blank Lost fame. Uh, One of the pet peeves that she chose was something that she actually encountered on her own season of Millennials versus Gen X. What is that pet peeve? A. Casting teenagers on the show. B. Swapping from two tribes to three. C. 20 players. D. A rock draw. Okay, I don't think Jessica would say a rock draw. So it's one of the first three. So it was teenagers... Uh, 20 players and what was the first one uh, so it was A was teenagers B was going from two tribes to three C was 20 players something she encountered okay uh, okay I'm gonna go with uh, I don't think she, okay I think like she's cool with Will Wall so I'm gonna ignore that one that would be a huge slight towards Will Wall. I know. That'd Can be, you imagine? Like crazy shade. But and especially yeah, because it's so shady. Like it's not direct. It's like <laughs> oh yeah, oh, yeah, we just shouldn't have teenagers. So, um, okay. poor Will Wall is shook in his dorm and reading that article. <laughs> I know, poor guy. The audacity, <laughs> the unmitigated gall, the gall. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna go ahead and guess the twenty players. That is correct. Yes, uh, Jessica said that go to 18, maybe even 16, 20 players, too many for me. Hmm. Okay, but not 16 years old. 
Yeah. <laughs> not, not, not younger teenagers. Okay. Yeah, 18's fine. 20's good, just not in terms of players. They yes. got it. All right, Josh, let's go to you here. We're going old school. Which player made an admitted, quote, self-serving gripe, and one of their pet peeves was to bring back more pre-All-Stars contestants? John Carroll. All right, sight unseen, that is correct. <laughs> you, you know you're John Carroll. Yes. You know you're Johnny Pots and Pans. That's Johnny Pots and Pans, yeah. That's his, that's his forever gripe. And he knows it's self-serving, and I appreciate the fact that he is just, like, forward with it. You know, just, you gotta work it. If you're gonna get back on the show, may as well just bring it out there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, one of the answers I was gonna put in there was Johnny Fairplay, who's the topic <laughs> of this next question for Liana. So. Interestingly enough, for one of Johnny Fairplay's pet peeves, he actually recommended a solution that pulls from Big Brother. What Uh did he cite? A. Using dividers during challenges. B. A secret saboteur. C. More flashy endurance challenges. D. Bringing in enemies to compete against each other. Okay, I'm going to go with a secret saboteur, and he pitched himself to be the secret saboteur. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's not correct. Josh, I know I'm going to you with the big brother question, but let's see if you could overcome that handicap. Well, I, I liked that. I, I mean, I, I think that that would be fun to like kind of do like Survivor the Mole could be could be cool. Uh, but I, I feel like I feel like I've heard like fair play really wanting to do like uh, like really championing the Survivor rivals idea. So I feel like the the rivals one, I think D would be something that he would want to see on the show. Unfortunately, you're also Whoa. incorrect. Uh, Johnny Fairplay, not a big fan of the lack of dividers in challenges. That's so random. He says, That's even as strange. a quote-unquote bad guy, I don't understand why it's okay on Survivor to cheat off your neighbor's paper. Hmm. <laughs> I feel like the moral hills that Johnny Fairplay chooses to die on are so strange to me. Like, truly baffling. Like, you can lie about dead relatives all you want, but I swear to God, if you look at my puzzle, you're dead to me. (laughs) Yeah, I don't understand why that's okay. Like, I'm not even mad at it. I just think that tickles me greatly. (laughs) (laughs) It's very funny. All right, ridiculous, but very funny. Josh, we'll go to you for this final one. So, uh, Martin got a whole huge bevy of responses from a bunch of Survivor contestants. He added as a bonus uh, just a quick quote from a former Survivor winner. Which Survivor winner sent him the following? Quote, memory challenges. I'm so bad at them. All memory challenges should be replaced with something that requires more brain, more brawn than brain. Dot, dot, dot. F can't think of anything else. So who said that? A, Tony. B, Natalie Anderson. C, Mike Holloway. D, Fabio. Uh, again, I, I I believe that I I know the answer just from memory of uh, of of reading the article. Uh, so I don't know, Leon, if you want a, a shot at at stealing it, I I I don't want to like remove suspense from. Do this not whole copy thing. off of him, Liana. That's how well, I'm lowering I, my divider. I was just going to do it anyway. Uh, well, I think I'm already mathematically eliminated, so go for it, Josh. I believe uh, that it 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 is uh, it is the the sole survivor twenty Natalie Anderson. That who, is correct. Who, just like you are twinning with Spencer, the twenty is the correct answer. Yes. Natalie Anderson did indeed after the deadline write in something where she started a thought and then just ended with uh, you know, I can't remember the rest. Uh, awesome. 
Yeah, classic. <laughs> well, congratulations to Josh. You proved that your memory is better than you think. You were able no, to it's really not. ace it's really this not. this set of pet peeves, not to be confused with Victoria's pet peeve, the guinea pig. Well, <laughs> or the the animals that we were talking about just a few minutes earlier. This is yeah, the guinea pig named Eve. That would have been a great one. <laughs> I actually thought about that for her. That's what I first wrote down when I had Victoria. I was like, guinea pig question mark. Oh man. Oh man. Okay. Uh well so I want to get into my discussion before we start to wrap things up. Um so okay, someone pointed this out to me on Twitter. So Ron Clark has 55 rules that are quote to be used in the classroom and throughout school. So I jokingly had a tweet about, you know, his 56th rule or whatever, and Alex on Twitter pointed out to me if Ron adds one rule per episode, including two for the 2-hour episodes, he'll reach Number 69 at the finale. Naturally, this is something I had to do. So I think it would be fun throughout the course of the season. We can build our very own survivor appendix to the Ron Clark rules. So my discussion question is essentially, what is the Ron Clark rule that we uh, uncovered this episode? So it's usually like I was thinking something that, you know, we learned. So, for example, uh, don't touch people's stuff. Or don't target returning players uh, on the first vote. Or don't teach Keith how to swim. Mm. Uh, so those were sort of the ones that I was <laughs> I was thinking of. So uh, what are some other potential rules? Mike, do you have any that pop into your head that we can learn from this episode? Yeah, I do feel like the one thing we learned is don't teach people how to swim. Uh, I do love that. You know, it's it's the old survivor adage, right? Like if everyone's hanging out in the shelter, hang out in the shelter. If everyone's working on camp, work on camp. If everyone's teaching someone an important life lesson, you teach them an important life lesson. Uh, the only other thing I could think of would be an actual lesson from Ron Clark, which is like, uh, I don't know, staying staying behind is a good sign. So, yeah, these can be specific, you know, to survivor or as general as we want. There's no rules when it comes to writing. There's no rules rules to the Ron Clark rules. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, because some of his are very specific and some are also like Carpe Diem. So I think we can uh, we have a lot of license when it comes to writing our our Ron Clark rules. Uh, Uh, So you could you could have Reem Daily could be a rule. Mm, Yeah, Reem as in like yell at someone every day to make sure they know where you're coming from. Yeah, or like, you know, just like to like let that out, you know, get that anger out, that frustration out, just yell it out to the world, just ream the world daily. I like that. Okay. I like that. Ream okay. daily. All right. So is it ream the world daily or ream daily? <laughs> just ream daily. <laughs> just ream daily. Okay, great. Oh my gosh, I'm actually super excited. And then we can revisit at the finale all of our rules. Uh, this one is obviously co-authored. Josh Wiggler, we will definitely give you credit. Uh, rule I feel like number- Reem Daly deserves some Reem- credit as well. That's right. And Reem Daly. <laughs> hey, her name's Reem in the title. <laughs> being the ins- It is the rule. Her name literally <laughs> is the rule. Uh, all right. Yes, I'm so excited. Okay, rule number 56. Reem Daily. Lock it in. Lock, Lock it, it in. in. Can, can we talk about Ron for a second? I know that I got some pushback when I tweeted this out that Ron might have one of the best sets of starting wardrobe in Survivor history, but I'll, I'll admit Ron exceeded my expectations. I totally expected him to come out and be a bit more bullheaded, maybe take on more of the Eric role of being anti returnee but between stumbling upon the lunch menu at the Advantage restaurant and, you know, uh, with a sweater around his neck to boot, this is a pretty good episode for Ron. 
Yeah, I think that he he had a, a comment on Twitter that the hardest thing about going on Survivor was wearing so much yellow. Uh, so I don't think that he loved his wardrobe as much as uh, as much as you did, perhaps. It's just for me, it's, uh, it's 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 the pattern pants combined with the purple sweater around the shoulders. There's a lot to do. I'm sure he won't yeah. be regretting it when it gets cold at night. Probably not. No, Ron did a lot better than I expected him to do. Uh, I, I haven't gone back and listened to the Dalton and I and uh, our friend Mara Reinstein, who is also out there uh, on location. We recorded uh, on the, the day that we did all the interviews. So the night before the marooning without seeing the tribe divisions, without seeing a, a second of gameplay, we recorded our um, our cast assessment of just like, you know, from from the interviews. What did we think of everybody? And I thought that Ron was a contender to be the first one out like I, I felt like um people didn't love ron based on like the ponderosa stuff uh people did not seem to have like a, a a huge um people people did not seem to like be huge fans of him that he was kind of like emitting cold energy or like very intense energy people thought he was like super serious some people thought he was like really really alpha um even with me i thought that like he was like very like in the zone but kind of like low-key energy um that I, I i wondered how he was gonna how he was gonna do and how he was gonna fit in and then the very next morning he finds a secret advantage on the boat and was like oh i think ron clark's probably gonna be okay here for a little while uh so he absolutely exceeded my expectations for sure well he is the weasel so i think that makes yes. sense that people yeah. felt that way about him yeah he, um, he can't make fire but he can make advantages happen that's right <laughs> yeah no i think it, i think it was good for him i think my concern is though is that you know getting this sort of new advantage menu thing i think that they're are a lot of mistakes that you can make with it. And I think him being a super aggressive player uh, may not bode well for him having, you know, this opportunity. Cause I feel like Ron is the type of person that just, you know, because he's already sort of giving off maybe this negative or cold energy, they just need to bond with people and not give people any more reason to be suspicious of him. So that is my worry for Ron Clark moving forward. He was bonding yeah. Liana. Did you not see him doing the weird Fortnite dance when Julie chopped through that bamboo? Oh my God. That's his thing. He's trying to be cool. And uh, and yeah, do all the Fortnite dances like the kids do. So, uh, yeah, he'll be he'll be fine. I'm sure, obviously. Well, the, and also, I, I guess maybe the benefit then the unintended benefit of this advantage menu only being in supply for like the next two episodes is that I don't know how long the advantage itself will last, but it's not like it seems like something that Ron can easily like, you know, use and then discard. He won't necessarily uh, need to hold on to it to possibly misuse it down the line. I'm, I have to consult my notes and the transcript from my interview with probes, but I'm pretty sure that whatever he picks, like it's, it's got a three tribal limit. Like, I don't think it's like he has three tribals to decide whether or not to turn it into an immunity idol. I think he's got three tribals to use the thing, period. And then it's, it's, it evaporates. But does he have um, to, does he have to pick like right now and then he gets to use one or essentially like this menu is good for three? Uh, tribals. Yeah, and, and I think like in the moment, like okay. now you select what it's going to be. I'm that pretty, I'm pretty sure that that's how it works. Okay. Do Do we have a quick power ranking for those three? Because I believe it's what it's reward steal, extra vote, and individual immunity. I think the reward steal is the worst, mm -hmm. uh, pretty clearly because even even if you could get like something super valuable, I think unless you you the only way that it's not the worst is if right off the jump you tell everybody, hey, on the boat I found this thing. Like the second you get to camp, yeah. Basically. I mean, listen, Survivor, can we can we stop making reward steals happen? 
Like, like I just there's really no benefit to it. Like yeah. I think like you know he ends up like pissing off like a, a full half of the cast basically from the other tribe if he takes something valuable from them, or he just identifies himself as very shady within within his own group that he he'd been hiding this thing from them for so long. Uh, so yeah, I feel like that's with a bullet the worst one. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Because yeah, it makes him come across as shady that he found this thing and he's been hiding it, and then he steals a reward. Which okay, sure, maybe people are grateful for a second and then they remember how sneaky he was when he found this secret advantage and he's pissed off the other half of the people on the season so yeah i totally agree i think the other two because he can sort of wait and then use them situ in in a different situation um i think that you could see advantages and disadvantages of different ones like if he is targeted you know directly very openly yeah of course you're going to pick the immunity uh but if maybe it's a situation where he needs to be a little bit sneakier and the tribe lines are uh, a little bit closer uh you know there's a divide down the middle then maybe that extra vote really does come in handy oh i think yeah I, I, totally I, situational I, I feel like extra vote is number one for me just because i feel like to your point josh that's something that you can use to endear yourself to people you could say hey i have this extra vote you can use me to pull something off so using it more offensive than defensive to save yourself again they might turn around and vote you off because you have said extra vote but i feel like that's easier to go to someone with than hey just fyi i'm safe tonight uh because i chose this individual immunity idol yeah yeah but i i think that like if if ron for whatever reason finds himself on the outs of that tribe then the idol is for sure the one to use because if he only has three tribals to use it so he's using it at the second tribal council or the third tribal council at which point i think just keep yourself alive until some sort of inevitable mix-up where mm-hmm. you can now be working with new people like rather than like trying to to you know forge something new by like having some sort of like power extra vote move with the group that's trying to get rid of you uh just save your hide and, and make it to the next round I, don't know, I, f- I feel like the immunity idol in most cases is the safest especially an immunity idol that has an expiration date i think that that's just it makes so much sense to me to just just play that on yourself it's the third tribal council, second tribal council, there's still so much game left. Just make sure that you're around to see it. Mm, or he could pull a Chrissy, hang on to it, and pretend that it's the Ron Clark super idol on, like, day 28. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I think that was talked about on Know-It-Alls, that, yeah, you could keep it and then essentially use it as a fake immunity idol if you don't need to use it. Because I think one of the concerns for me personally is that if he comes out with this advantage, uh, you know, that he definitely has to use and he's already sort of coming across as maybe a little shady. I mean, I think that that just puts, you know, an even bigger target on his back. So maybe hiding it is the best option, you know, to get the idol and then just keep it versus, you know, using it to ensure your safety if you don't think that you're going home that tribal but i don't know i mean you know what will help draw attention away from yourself if you ream daily (laughs) that's right rule number 56 ream daily no that's what you do so you you ream daily you get them all really mad at you and then you get the idol and you blast out joey amazing Mm. like you draw all the votes onto you and you get like your number one target out of the game Ah, you do that to Kelly Wentworth. And then Roundabout is fair trade for Miss Wentworth. And after a poor head injury as well. Give the girl some slack, people. That was really scary in person, by the way. She was like she was like sitting down on the balance beam afterwards for a while, like 
looked like she really knocked her face that I felt terrible for her. Yeah, that was a tough fall watching on TV. I can't imagine what it must have looked like it was, in person. It was awful. It was scary. I was having Pat Cusack uh, flashbacks. Yeah. Oh. I was like, oh, God. Oh, I was going to no. say, you were, were going to witness your own like Courtney Moon-esque moment right there in person. Another, yeah. I don't need another medevaced first one out. You know, I'd rather have no interview. Mm-hmm. That would be much better, happier ending for sure. Uh, all right. So let's move into our final segment of each and every week here on the BNB. The question of the week. Last week's question of the week, in honor of the war dog, alias Baby Rhino, uh, what nickname would you give yourself before the game started if you ever were to play Survivor? As per usual, we'll read some of your answers out there that you were so happy to provide us online, and we'll give our own answers as well. Uh, Let me start with Lauren Peterson here, who says, My Survivor nickname would be The Sudden Sleeper. I think it sounds a bit like I'm a stealthy player, but really it's because I have narcolepsy. (laughs) Lauren can be the representative for narcolepsy on the show. <laughs> she like gives like a very articulate explanation of what narcolepsy is and then falls asleep in the middle of the confessional. I, I wonder if it could happen. Look, Jinx Monsoon won a season of RuPaul's Drag Race as a narcoleptic. I wonder if it's in the cards, possibly. I yeah. like it. Yeah. And maybe it does make you seem, you know, less like a stealthy player, right? Because you oh, they're just sleeping. Oh, my God. And you could listen in on people. Assuming that you didn't fall asleep. Yes, true. Like, if you close your eyes and pretend to sleep, sometimes you actually do end up falling asleep. So, Lauren, it might be a double-edged sword of Valyrian steel. Yes. All right. Machete. Jonathan Troyer says, My self-given nickname on Survivor would be Troyerzan to tell my castmates (laughs) that I am even less of a threat than the first two Zans, and that should take me to the end. I love this trilogy of Zans that Jonathan is setting up. And then, and okay, so then if Jonathan is then a goat, then what does the next person call themselves? Like, this name just keeps getting longer and longer and longer. Yeah, or it could be, I don't know, like, the, the Fast and the Furious franchise, where you just keep doing takes on Zan and see, you know, exactly where you get to. Mm-hmm. To Zan, to Zerius? <laughs> Troy Zan. Troy, Troy Zan, Troy, Troy Furious. <laughs> yeah. Zan, Troy Drift. <laughs> oh my god. John, Drift. John Tinkham says, my ideal survivor nickname would be something that I would just enjoy hearing Jeff have to yell during challenges. Johnny Kneecaps is winded. Cheeks falls off the perch. Whiskers is down. We need medical. This is why we need the real masked survivor season. Because can you imagine Jeff Probst like yelling, the puffer fish falls off the balance beam. I mean, it is going to be ridiculous when he is saying the war dog falls off the balance beam. We're already going to get like a teaser of what that's going to be like. It's yeah, going to be right. odd. I mean, Jeff, Jeff seems to be an entirely new category concerning that he's already given Rick the last name treatment. So it feels like he's just playing last and fast and loose with the naming rules this season. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Devin's. Is that his last name? Yeah. I should probably yeah. learn it since uh, that's going to be his name yeah. <laughs> this season. All right, we have uh, Kaz reached out and said, been pondering on my RHAP B&B nickname, a la War Dog, and I would have people call me God because it's one step above Coach in terms of pulling all the strings, just as subtle as Coach or War Dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I would use their name in vain. Yeah, that's true. I mean, listen, if there are people of faith on the show, could you endear yourself to them? Or perhaps you'd be, I don't know, you'd get even more targeted for being blasphemous. Yeah, Yeah, but I think that they'd be very scared to write down your name. Oh, because you would vote out God. Yeah, yeah. Like that's that's a that's a, a horrifying prospect for anybody. Like even me, like I I think that I would be nervous to write down God 
in the yeah. voting booth. Because like you get smited right in that moment. I mean, because like what if you just don't know? Yeah, you know, like you don't yeah. know for sure. Listen, we have from the people who brought you God friend and me. God is on Survivor. <laughs> Although, if you're gonna God be, voted me, <laughs> if you're gonna be out there on Exile Island with somebody, I think God is the person you want to be out there with. It would be a very crazy thing to blindside God. They voted out their God. I think would be a a really surprising <laughs> you, move. You get a returning spot like that. I mean, come yeah. on. Who are we bringing back? Well, definitely God. I mean, you look at Survivor Legends, and then there's God. Who would do better on Survivor, God or the Survivor God? Ooh, well, Survivor God is uh, a little getting a little up there in age. I know that Reem's being accused of ageism, so I don't want to, you know, shake a stick too much at Survivor God. But uh, I don't know. He's uh, anything but a spring chicken dam. If uh, Johnny Fairplay gets that rival season, you can do Survivor Devil and Survivor God. Oh, I'm sure Rob would love that. Just the pure, his throat would not, but I'm sure he would absolutely love that. Uh, oh, now, now I'm all in on God getting called up on the boat and Jeff uh, talking about God, you know, created the world in seven days, didn't know what he was doing. He was a weakling. Then he grew, ruled over this entire universe, and here he is now to play with you. Wow. So is God a David who became a Goliath? Oh, Considering he created them both, that's very off thinking. <laughs> I just would love the uh oh man, you know, like making the world that was easy survivor. Yeah. That's tough. <laughs> making the world is fun. <laughs> yeah. On the bright Isn't side, uh when the rains come, he's going to have a great plan for a shelter that's based on an ark. Yeah. I also like that we just decided that Keith Nail is god. That makes sense to me. That would actually make sense cuz doesn't Keith <laughs> like live on the road Keith in Keithville or something yeah, like that? Yeah. Yeah, and I mean the, the 13th commandment is as long as you keep burping, I guess you'll do okay. <laughs> Perfect. Uh DJ LaBelle Klein, uh the inspiration behind the Mass Survivor. My self-appointed survivor nickname would be Buttons. It doesn't apply to me at all, and I never give an origin story, but it's one of those inoffensive, older, senile person-type nicknames to make me seem like less of a threat. <laughs> Actually, that was kind of my logic, too, uh, not to get into my answer, but yeah, I like this idea of just something that is so, so, so not a threat. But also, buttons are very useful, so I think that's good. Yeah. Uh, and finally, Dan Sinensky says, I hate to use my high school nickname as an adult, but the war dog and I share a first name, and look similar, so it makes sense. Poodles. There were people with <laughs> there were people with the same first and last name. Parentheses. My brother on the wet wrestling team, and I had a Jufro. I guess hence the nickname Poodles. Wow. War Poodles. <laughs> a little a little less menacing, but I think it still gets the point. The War Poodle. Next up on the Mass Survivor, it's the War it's the Poodle. War poodle. <laughs> this person brings a a fiery uh, storm to the battlefield with a hint of finesse <laughs> and puffy, well-groomed hair. <laughs> All right, Josh. Yeah, great island hair for the war poodle. Oh, absolutely. Uh, God yeah, has great island lot. hair as well. That beard is just majestic after thirty-nine Oil days. Flicked. Yeah. All right, Josh. What what is your uh, self-appointed nickname? Were uh, you to be on Survivor? I mean. My last name is Wiggler, so it's just like it's begging to be riffed on. It has been my whole life, so I feel like something from there would probably uh, would probably work. Or if we want to go with our inner animal, the wombat, 
makes mm. some sense. Uh, but maybe I could like explain it by saying like, I'm just a really big fan of Wendell and Dominic and I love baseball. So I'm the wombat. <laughs> it's like one of those like Remus, like those picture puzzles. of just putting so many different things together into one word. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, my nickname. What does uh, the animal in you say about wombats? Do we know? Uh, I don't know. Let's see. I'll Let's look see it up. The wombats up. are on here. Yeah, I'll, I'll check it well, out. Pay you know. special attention to the love and friendship section. <laughs> That's right. I don't know if wombat is on there. Whatever the closest animal. You can also, if you're interested, you can take the test uh, at animalinyou.com, uh, which will reveal the animal in you. Uh, which I did take the quiz because I can't help it. Um, I was the lion, but I was like, well, I can't use that as my nickname because that's just too aggressive. So I was trying to think that what's something that's not, you know, a threat. And then I came up with cool as a cucumber. So I could be like cucumber or just call me cuke. Cuke? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then my other thought was, okay, I got stuck on foods. It's like, what's a food that everyone likes? And then I thought Josh Buckler is going to be on the show. Nacho. Nacho. I think would be a great nickname. So Nacho, I mean, it is a shame that we didn't get like Nacho Libre for an alliance name with Mike and John Hannigan last oh, season. So that would have been so good. I, I don't know. Considering the umbrage that Mike's t- Mike takes behind the, the reception behind some of his movies, I don't know if he'd want to bring it up. I don't know. I would tell you my thoughts, but I only speak in emoji. So I'll have to send them to you later. Uh, I, I sort of went with, I don't know, a rather benign one. Uh, I went with my survivor nickname as Scatman. Oh, <laughs> oh my God, I forgot. Uh, just because, wow. I, you know, I figured that, you know, I, I speak on the fly a lot like someone who's scatting. I'm often unintelligible like someone who's scatting. Uh, and I'm just there to just put out a lot of a lot of nonsense. Plus, it's a fantastic song. And also, uh, I get scatological sometimes. So it just covers all those bases. Scatman Mike. <laughs> Everybody oh starts one way or the other, so check out my message to you. I think uh, I think I got to start calling you that now, Mike. You got to start introducing yourself. Yeah, Mike. yeah, that's got to be a new uh, a new like segment on the BNB. You got to get somebody who's musically inclined to cook up the. He's the Scat Man. Bloom, 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 bloom. Exactly. Bloom, all right, Put, putting the petition out there. It may or may not make its way into the wiggle room, which might in, in immensely confuse Rob. You might have to provide some context there. <laughs> I'll, I'll explain. I'll, I'll help him out. Uh, well, the question of the week for next week, we talked about the Advantage menu. Let, let's add some stuff on there. Look a little scan, looking like a kid's Advantage menu. Let's fill out a full, you know, uh, series of dishes there. I want you all out there to pick one item to add to the Advantage menu. I guess what I'd prefer personally are food-based puns on twists. Uh, I think last night I treated like jumble jumbleidle as an example, or and <laughs> when Johnson said uh, steak medallions of power, like just some wow. something real silly and stupid. That's what the scat man begs for. I didn't think that I would be hearing the phrase that's what the scat man begs for today, but you know what? Here we are. Uh, thank you, Cuke. Really appreciate that. You're wow. welcome, buddy. Uh, so we will be going over our new, newly revamped Advantage menu next week with our guest, Ali Lasher. We'll be making a return awesome. to the B&B to break down episode two, which should certainly be interesting. We'll see uh, what Reem does on Extinction. We'll see if Eric's plan to uh, cut off the returnees at the knees will work. There's, there's a, still a lot to go on with this season after this very interesting start. So 
I'm excited to keep this ball rolling with the B&B. Josh, thank you so much for coming on. This was an insane amount of fun. Thank you for subjecting yourself to being the best guesser on uh, on the mass survivor, talking through what chances God has in the game proper. This this was truly a delight. It was my pleasure. Thank you both for this incredible podcast. I love listening to the BNB. I think you guys do. Uh, I I don't know which Lord, the Survivor Lord or the the true Lord. I think work, you mean Jeff. You guys, yes, I do mean Jeff. You're doing fantastic <laughs> stuff here, and it, it was a an honor and a jervis to be here. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yes, I'm so happy that you could come on, uh, take some me hands off, and really just have a great <laughs> I'll bring time. Some home. I'll take some me hands to go. That's right. Kick off your me hands. Just have a great time. <laughs> Is every part of your body a me hand? Is that what we're getting to now? It means what you want it to mean, Scatman. Me yeah. hands all the way down. Well, Wombat, uh, if people want to catch up on all the great stuff you're doing on with Survivor for both The Hollywood Reporter and Rob has a podcast proper, how can people uh, follow you on social media? Sure. So I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Round Howard, like Ron Howard, but rounder. Uh, as Mike said, there are no exit interviews for Survivor The Edge of Extinction. That is just a blanket rule CBS has issued. Last season, I was able to do these active player interviews for David versus Goliath. Uh, there's hope that there will be some of those this season. They won't be weekly the way that they were last season. They will be infrequent at best and possibly non-existent, but I'm going to fight for them very, very hard as hard as I can. Uh, but what I am doing every week is uh, what I, I've been in my head. I've been calling them retro interviews. Mm. And, and what the retro interview is going to be is I have a lot of material from the preseason that I did not roll out during the preseason. A lot of smack talk, all of the players weighing in on each other and getting their first impressions of each other before they ever met. I still have all of that in a vault. So over the next several weeks, every week I'm going to be unleashing that material. We are going to be doing retro retro interviews with the contestants themselves weighing in on their their own damn selves uh, before the game and seeing how their first impressions, their predictions for themselves, how did that measure up with their eventual fates? Uh, so that is beginning at THR.com slash Survivor this Friday with the Ream Daily experience. Uh, I'm very excited about that series of articles. I really hope you guys check them out. Uh, so, yeah, that's it. I mean, we've got the wand office kicking off here yeah. real soon. Uh, wiggle room at Rob has a website dot com is the way to do that. And uh, I hope I hope you all submit. I hope that there's a Scatman submission or two as well. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm so I'm so excited for both the whatever you can cobble together <laughs> for our sort of after episode content. And of we're, we're going to be thirsty, you know, I, yeah. yeah. And, and, drop of water even, yeah, no matter how exactly. like muddy it may be we're gonna lap it up like i don't know that it's gonna be groundbreaking but i think that they'll be fun and i think that uh there's like some insight to mine like some uh, even even putting the ream one together there's some things that she predicted for herself which is like uh you don't want to be annoying you don't want to be a <laughs> whatever you do ream don't put people's clothes out in the sand <laughs> like there's, there's a you know she kind of she kind of calls it so it's there's some, there's some really good she, stuff i mean she was calling it while she was in the tribal council she's like yep oh it's me nope this is yeah. happening uh, uh, yeah so i i think it's a fun read i think i i think if you're if you're missing out on the the exit interview experience this season i think that this will fill that hole in your heart hopefully and hopefully that combined with a cuke nachos fantastic reads throughout the season will be will be a good pairing <laughs> that's right 
bringing it to you every week. Uh, well, in addition to obviously being super excited that the B&B is back and doing all of our Survivor coverage, I am also doing RuPaul's Drag Race coverage alongside Mike and Brent Walgamont. And we just wrapped up All-Stars Season 4, and we're going to be doing a preseason podcast for Season 11 because can't stop, won't stop. Always got some Drag Race in our lives. Uh, and then we'll be covering that season as well. So uh, it's crazy, still going on, but looking forward to everything. And you can always follow me at a Mike Bloom type. Uh, we're doing podcasts about Top Chef as well that Josh and I are involved in. That's really starting to round the bend. We want to mention the Drag Race coverage. I'm doing some coverage of Star Trek Discovery, uh, both in writing form on THR.com slash Star Trek Discovery and on post show recaps with Jessica Lee. It's been a super interesting season so far and it's only going to get more interesting from here on out so if you're a fan be sure to check all of that stuff out uh that's going to do it for this week on the bnb uh, if you have any suggestions for games or answers to the question of the week your advantage menu item you have a bunch of ways you can reach out to us you can always tweet us using the hashtag rhapbnb the letter b the letter n the letter b you can email us rhapbnb at gmail.com or post your responses in the comments section of broadpastwebsite.com in the patron group we have eyes everywhere taking in all that information and we'll be sure to get to it all next week with the great Ali Lasher as Edge of Extinction continues a going special thanks to paul osselson our fantastic head writer scott st pierre for editing all of this behind the scenes wolf from america for our theme song it is so exciting to be back and talking about this all josh thank you again for coming on thank you all so much for listening we'll check you out at your next stay Woo! Yeah! Like I'm the yeah! Playing some games, but I pray to your mama that they're not super lame. And if that all sounds cool, I can tell you the name. It's the R H A P B M B. Like I'm the Yana Yana playing some games, but I pray to your mama that they're not super lame. And if that all sounds cool, I can tell you the name. We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to U.S. News & World Report, we're the 25th top-paying career. Make an impact as a fact-seeker and a truth-teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you.